Okay, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. Something I haven't done in a little while. I haven't really been talking that much about TV shows or movies. So today we're going to be talking about The Walking Dead's Season 7 episode called The Well. We're going to flash back to this episode. And uh, I suppose I should mention that one of the quirks of me being an entertainment writer is that I write about The Walking Dead sometimes for a website called Undead Walking. And really one of the zany aspects of that is I'm I'm actually always far behind in the series. <laughs> so I, I guess it's sort of interesting that even though I'm I'm a fan of the show, I'm not such a super fan that I'm adequately keeping up with it. So you know, make of that what you will. Maybe you're going to think, oh, he's not keeping up with the show. He's not actually an expert. He's a clown, a buffoon. Um, why is he even talking about the show? But, you know, I think at the end of the day, I do have some vague abilities to write about The Walking Dead and other TV shows. And if I didn't, I would never actually get any pennies out of it, let alone like, you know, interviews with people on different TV shows and movies and stuff. And, uh, you know, but uh, that's enough about that. What about the episode itself? Well, remember how the well introduces another new group of survivors, the kingdom, when Carol, played by Melissa McBride, of course, is brought into their little setup. She immediately assumes they're in over their heads. You know, that's how I introduced this episode on the website. And then I go on to talk about how, um, you know, it's another place that promises to be walker free and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And we meet their charismatic leader, King Ezekiel, played by Carrie Payton. And fortunately, he's actually not a very authoritarian character, despite referring to himself as a king. And uh, he's not really cruel to Carol or anything like that. In fact, I think he was sort of a breath of fresh air for the show overall. And don't we need that sometimes, both in the TV shows we watch and real life, of course. We need to occasionally be able to put our guard down not to have everything be ramped up to 100 on the stress meter at all times. And I must confess that I, you know, was far behind in The Walking Dead at the time that I wrote the article, and I'm still far behind now. I'm aware that the show is basically over and that they're in spinoff territory. I would say it's with an open mind and an open heart that I watched this epi episode. By season seven, Carol has basically fled her group, which is now in tough doo-doo with the Saviors, who Rick was pretty much trying to vacate off of his land in a murder spree, and they retaliated. Even though Rick abandoned the idea of being dictator or king himself, the group seems to naturally put him in that role, something I always found a bit annoying about the show, frankly. I guess that's a little bit of my anti-authoritarian nature. But fortunately, I'm able to put that aside, you know, that 
personal bias and see the realism behind that. Because what do you know, in real life, we have people who are pretty much subservient to leaders and actually who seek out and even demand somebody else to lead them. And, uh, you know, you've got a lot of the classic scenarios like that in this show. Lots of different groups of survivors and people who just can't really figure things out that well on their own. So they cling to whatever short, whatever sort of a leadership position that they can. And, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I guess that's one of the problems with living in a society is that even under the best of circumstances, you're going to have some tendencies toward authoritarianism. And Negan represents that, the governor, but also Rick, you know? So by this point in the series, it seems like more of the group should be able to be their own Ricks and basically do more of what Carol does with ease. You know, she is able to fight battles when she clearly knows she can. And she also knows when to leave in order to live. But of course, you know, you're going to have some doofuses out there who just uh, can't be the lone wolf for whatever reason. Meanwhile, the walkers are just sort of easily dispatched threats by season seven in the show. The characters typically just occasionally swoop in to kill those sad sack hordes of undead usually with a level of nonchalance that almost pokes fun at the very zombie apocalypse premise of The Walking Dead. So I can see why that might turn some people away by season seven. But you also have to keep in mind that there's actually a component of realism to that. Because if you had survived for this long, wouldn't you be a little bit nonchalant about your zombie slaying abilities as well? Meanwhile, Season 7 spends a bit too much time breaking down old man Rick. You know, he's like sort of a pathetic, I, I almost hate to use the term, but I guess you could say bitch boy at this point. You know, um, that's that's just sort of what happened to Rick at this stage of the game. On the other hand, I do appreciate the times where Daryl was forced into compliance making him look like less of a forced badass type, and which I think can get a little bit old when he's like all macho and stuff. It's nice to see him actually, you know, um, well, basically surrendering to Negan or whatever. It's a little bit of a reminder that there are other, you know, characters who are not only threatening but also capable of controlling his situation basically by season seven it feels like the fight is pretty much solely against other humans who prevent rip rick's group from being able to ride off into the sunset completely abandoning their pre completely abandoning their previous lives sorry i screwed up there talking uh anyway the basic set piece this episode and I guess the season introduces is the kingdom, which has tapped into the, into the best parts of this show that some people have all but forgotten. You know, the, uh, the, the idea of actually finally being free and liberated from, of course, the uh, undead hordes, but also the human drama. 
So this is actually a relatively lighthearted episode. There's also the sense of Carol and Ezekiel potentially becoming new best friends or maybe something more. I think that's immediately implied by, you know, her scenario here. You get the sense that she's already kind of able to let her guard down a little bit, which is unusual for Carol at this point in the show. The episode also basically addresses a few of our questions, like how did a whole kingdom just rise out of nowhere? Who built it? Who now lives there? Who is King Ezekiel? So you kind of get um, some entry-level answers to to those questions. And uh, we learn he's not really that much of a king. In fact, he sort of reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. And maybe Negan represents the more wicked witch type of character whose quirky and destructive motives to dominate tell a story of their own. I think in contrast to that, it's it's refreshing to see people like Ezekiel or, uh, you know, uh, other relatively peaceful and benign characters sort of have their stories told as well. And of course that includes, um, what's his name? Boy, I can't even think. Well, you know, the, the guy who carries around the bow staff like Donatello. And that shows you just how bad I am with names because I forgot his name. (laughs) Oops. Um, Let's see. Walking Dead characters. <laughs> um, let's see. You have Morgan. There we go. Jesus Christ. I couldn't even remember his name. That's embarrassing. But I've always been bad with names. So, um, <laughs> But anyway, it's it's really nice and refreshing to see different kinds of characters who are able to survive through these traumatic circumstances. But let's not forget that Negan is not the sole villain here either. In fact, Rick had executed a bunch of Negan's men at the outpost, basically prompting Negan to retaliate with full force. So, you know, yeah, he's definitely depicted as a villain, and I certainly wouldn't uh, totally say he's like a a hero or whatever, but in the context of the show, really what what he did fully makes some sense. You know, he was, they kind of forced his hand because the group just killed a bunch of his people. I mean, what would you expect him to do in response to that? So as I've noted on the website, Undead Walking, Rick's group's, or, or Rick's group is actually to blame for much of what happens as they already had insight into just what sort of scheme Negan is running. So I think that by them sticking around and, you know, being violent themselves, they really set themselves up to be brutalized and, um, of course, made subservient to the will of Negan and I would say, you know, anybody who would replace Negan potentially as well. So Rick and crew chose to become murderers. They chose to play with fire and they ended up getting burnt. And uh, really, I think that's one of the important lessons of this 
you know, the season as well. You know, it's it's an example of how you really try to do the best thing, but you end up being a uh, brutal person, perhaps, in this type of apocalyptic scenario. And uh, what do you know? You come up against somebody else who is a brutal person. It's a lot like what I say about authoritarianism. You know, in order to defeat, you know, some sort of dictator or, or a villainous character in history, unfortunately, often you have to do it through force. Because, I mean, I, I love pacifism. I, I respect Gandhi and all that kind of stuff. But really, something like a hunger strike is only going to work if the... Uh, opposing team actually cares about you know somebody who's starving to death but if they're a bunch of psychopaths and sociopaths it's not going to really matter if you're on a hunger strike you know what i mean and you know at a certain point i think the walking dead kind of reflects those values as well which is really what makes it a smart show even though of course by season seven, it already had plenty of detractors at that point, but I, I still think, you know, it's a smart enough show that it can retain some credibility as it goes past, you know, the first two seasons that everybody seems to really love so much. And uh, this is probably not their best season, but, you know, it's it's still good. It still has validity, especially for a show that was on the air for so long and really um, could have been even further out of ideas at this point. I know that one of the main critiques of The Walking Dead is that, you know, they they survive one harrowing experience with some evil leader. And then what do you know? They end up encountering another and then it's maybe like a you know, rinse and repeat type of scenario. But I think each villain actually does have some distinct characteristics. But at the same time, I do understand that criticism. And uh, maybe some of the villains aren't different enough from each other, too, I suppose. But then again, you get into the uh, debate about, you know, aren't most villains kind of similar in their uh, characterization and what makes them villainous in the first place. So, you know, you can end up being a little bit too critical of the show, I think, if you're if you're expecting it to be too different from season to season. And uh, really one of the things about The Walking Dead also is that it has a lot of, or it at, at least tries to be realistic. You know, the characters are a little bit deeper. They have more motivations and complexities than you might get in a, you know, an hour and a half movie or whatever. But anyway, I've talked about it enough. Um, yeah, that's uh, my view on that episode of The Walking Dead and how the show was up until, you know, this season seven episode of the series. <laughs>